Welcome to the Infernal Schoolhouse Podcast, Explosions at Five. I'm Brian. And I'm Aaron. And today on the podcast, we're joined by special guest Devin from Start Playing Games. Devin, welcome to the show and thank you for being here. Dude, thank you all for having me. This is really exciting. So excited. Thank you so much. So first, please just take a moment and introduce yourself and how you got into tabletop role-playing games. Yeah. Uh, my name is Devin, one of the founders of Start Playing, one of the creators of Total Party Chill. And, you know, it's actually a funny story how I got into tabletop role-playing games. It was my mother reading to me a choose-your-own-adventure book that had a dice-rolling component in it when I was like in bit, like I was five or six or seven. I just remember seeing this book at like the used bookstore and being like obsessed. I don't know what it is. I can't to this day tell you the series, the title, but I was just like enamored with the cover. And it was not a, a book for like five to seven year olds because I couldn't, there's so many words I couldn't read. But so she read it to me and she was like, okay, now you have to roll. And that roll. And that was my first like experience. And it wasn't until like last year, someone was like, your mom was your first DM. I was like, oh shit, that's right. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah. I love that. And then, that was- of course, you know, like, uh, th- I mean, it, it just kind of continued, you know, once you get the, once you, you know, we all know that feeling like this is an incredibly sticky hobby. Like once you find it, you don't want to let it go. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So uh, on that same note, tell us about just the foundation of start playing games and kind of what that is for our listeners. Yeah. So start playing games is the largest platform for finding games, groups, and game masters. You could tell I've like told this pitch a hundred times, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but really like it, it's kind of like it, the Airbnb for online tabletop RPGs in the sense of like, you know, Airbnb, you're finding a house to stay at, but on start playing, you're finding a group to join and you don't need a group of friends uh, already. Like you can join as a one person into a group of other people joining via one person. And then you end up with a group of five best friends afterwards. Hmm. Literally the stories I'm hearing blow me away. I mean, these guys that they're called the chalky boys. That's like their 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 party's name and they've played with the same GM three times. They're all really good friends. They're getting matching tattoos. And none of them knew each other before they started. They they all learned they, they all found their friendship just through the game. That's really that cool. Is, yeah, that's amazing. I love it. And I notice on your on the website they talk you guys talk about you don't need to go through chat groups and things like that to try to find games. And so I think that's one of the key components there, right? Yeah. Yeah, like it, it is a site where you just put in the time and day that you want to play or even all the way down to like, hey, I want to play on Roll20 or I want to play on Alchemy or Foundry and I want to play D&D or well, I want to play GURPS or Traveler. And you can just see all the games available um, and read about the game because like Facebook groups, Reddit, Discord, these are terrible ways to find a game. Like mm-hmm. people have been using forums forever because there just wasn't a better way. Be like, oh, I'm looking for players reply to this if you want to join and then a hundred people reply and the person's like ah i don't want to pick who and then as you go through it's like actually this schedule doesn't work for me anymore and like this is a nightmare to find a game so it just we 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 have better tools now <laughs> yeah and so for me as a player who's who's tried to join games one of the things that i've found is it goes both ways right like you don't know if you're a dm you don't know if the if you're c- connecting with people who are like weirdos or something or vice versa with the dm so in regards to the qualifications for dms for your site how does one get started and like how do how does that piece work yeah so it's very easy to get started um it's harder to grow if you're not a great gm and what what it is is you know you can there's two types of reviews you can have on the site there's unverified which is like hey i'm a new gm 
I had my old players review me and this is what they said. But everyone knows like, oh, this is unverified. They, this person didn't play in their game on the site. And so most of our users know to like take that with a grain of salt, but it's a good indicator. If you can get at least five people to say, hey, this guy's a great DM. There's, that's enough social proof to like, yeah, I'll check it out. And then afterwards, when they, people play in, in paid games with this GM, it shows a verified badge. And so you're like, oh, this person played in 46 games with this GM. This review is great. And maybe someone's like, ah, not my play style, played in one game. Okay. So that's probably, that review isn't as weighted much when, a, you know, players are kind of sussing out what GM to play with. Reviews are kind of huge. And what we've noticed is like the problematic players that I often hear horror stories about are also usually the first players to say, I would never pay for a game. Interesting. And so we find ourselves in a nice position where we don't have a lot of toxic players we've had removed from the site because of their actions. You know, any community is going to have that at some point. But as far as like percentage wise, it's so small because people are like, hey, I'm paying because I'm invested and I want a great experience. And that kind of social contract that people are making through the act of respecting the GM enough to like pay for their time weeds out a lot of people that would normally be pretty problematic. Well, that's really cool. It reminds me of a random tangent, but the I don't know if you're familiar with the Alamo Draft House, but it's yeah, a, yeah, a movie theater. And yes. it's just it's just a little more expensive. And I yeah. will happily pay a lot more to go to a movie theater where you are not allowed to talk in the theater. And it's like the same thing. It's like, it just sort of weeds the people out. The people who would talk in a movie are probably the ones who won't spend an extra five bucks on the ticket. Yeah, <laughs> And it's also, the theater gives you permission to, yes. in, in the States, like what is okay and what is not okay. You go to AMC and this is, hey everyone, respect everyone else, Shush. be quiet. Yeah. But Alamo is like, no, if you yeah. do it, we'll kick you out. You no will be refund. removed from the theater. And they even sometimes play that voicemail of the person who was kicked out. And they're like, no, we're serious about this. And so then people understand like, oh, you do value me coming here. Got it. And you'll go to that extent to actually like uh, hold on to what you say you're going to do. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) I do have nightmares about that every time I go to a movie there, especially I'm not going to name names here, but one of the people I go with starts talking and uh, I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, I don't, I don't think you mean me. I definitely don't mean you. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I know I have, I have those friends who the movie just started and they look at me and like, who's that? No, nobody knows. No, nobody, the movie just started. Nobody knows who this is yet. No. We have to wait and find out, pal. Okay, so I think I know the answer to this one. It seems pretty straightforward. But what about qualifications as a player? And then how does one get involved if you just want to start playing games? Yeah, as a player, they just need to like find what they want and book into it. I mean, GMs, of course, like have the ability to remove players from their games if they feel they're not right fit. But what we see a lot is sometimes players will just like, they self-select. There's actually, okay, so this is a bit of a tangent, but I, I, I tell all our GMs, we do these like weekly onboardings where like, you know, there's, you know, a few people on the team that will lead a webinar of like 20 to 50 GMs about like the best practices, how to use the tools. And the thing that we always are really drilling down is make sure your ideology as a game master, your play style, the things that you love, are so clear because your goal is not to catch every fish in the sea. You want to catch the right fish for you. Okay, that part of the metaphor is breaking down. But the idea is like, you want to find the right players for you. Like if you're yeah. a crunchy GM, you want crunchy players. If you're a, uh, you know, so I say push this. And it reminds me of this talk I'd watched of this woman who was doing a test uh, about Tinder. And she, she was giving these terrible matches and she was going to try this experiment where she changed the first photo in her profile to uh, her wearing a shirt that says, if you hurt animals, I will hurt you. And it was like a PETA shirt. 
Mm-hmm. And she's a vegan. She's an animal rights activist. Those are two like huge things about her, right? And so she's like, I wanted to make my ideology so apparent to see how that would change things. And the matches she got had filtered out people who were antagonistic to her ideology, who didn't value it, all this. And so she got better matches afterwards because the people who were like, I don't want to date a vegan would opt out because right then and there, her ideology was so clear. So that's a way how like players find the right GM and the players who connect with the GM usually will connect with each other because they all want the same thing. So it's this kind of weird self-selecting and matching system where people are playing in games because this is the game they want to play because the GM is so clear on who they are and what kind of game they're going to run. I feel like there's an amazing life lesson in there also. Yeah. About just being unabashedly who you are and not worrying about everybody. A hundred percent. You know, like where, where, where are your values on your sleeve? Literally or on your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Brian, I think maybe if you go on there and become a DM, you should put your little tagline in there is if you hurt a goblin, I will hurt you. <laughs> I I love goblins and I run them as like precocious little children. And so when yeah. players just want to butcher them, I'm like, that's sad. Yeah, I know. Listen, <laughs> goblins are for adopting into the party yeah, to be the little guy. The little them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I I literally, the, goblins are literally just Mona from Nadaland's house. You know, like yeah, they're right. just pumping everything in the, they're just putting everything in their mouth. They just yeah. tumble everywhere. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like, nuisance. they're like shitty toddlers, right? Like yeah, they, exactly. they can be tamed, but they're also awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm curious this a little bit, um, but uh, I'm wondering a little bit if we can get you talking a little bit more about the the games available on the site. So obviously yeah. D&D, and I'm guessing that's kind of like the biggest portion. But can you talk to us about maybe some of the other games that are on there? I don't know, the ratios or, you know, like, yeah, how, how that um, thing plays out. So, I mean, what's wild is like there's never before has it been so easy for people to find games other than D&D. If you wanted four years ago to play, let's say, City of Mist. That'd be really hard. Like you in in now City Mist had a Discord. That's at least a little bit better. But if you're like, I want to play a new game and I don't know what I want to play, but you say, but I can play a game on Thursday. You could search through and like, hey, what do we got here? Oh, I've never heard of this. This system sounds fun. Kind of like how when we go to conventions. I don't know if I don't know if you guys go to cons pretty often. Mm -hmm. Love it. It's it's like great because I was like, I wanted to try out this new system, but I was like, I just don't, I don't like to I don't like to run a system until I've played it. And so I love when I go to cons, I'm like, I'm going to learn this, but now I can learn any game I want at my fingertips. I'm like, listen, guys, I tell my, my founders, I'm like, I have to take Thursday off. I have to do some market research. And yes, that's, <laughs> and just, that's me just going to play again. <laughs> I love it. You have a cool job. I, I honestly do. I, th- that, that fact never eludes me that I have like one of the best jobs in the world. So do you have any data or anything that, that would suggest like what percentage of non D and D or. Wait, well, like, what are the top, top other games? And I'm not uh, asking I for any t- insidious reason. I'm just asking because I'm curious. Oh, yeah. I can tell you some of the other games. I, percentage is a little, a little harder, but like, I mean, obviously, Pathfinder is really, really popular. Vampire the Masquerade. Most of Evil Hat, their games are really popular. Uh, um, the week, so we're, we're talking Muzz the Week. Yeah. Oh, love Muzz the Week. Blades in the Dark, Scum and Villainy. Those are really, really popular. Um, let's see what else. Um, SFA, oh, Cyberpunk. But I mean, nice. like, I go right now. What's wild is we have this, the game systems on search. This selection is actually only games that have seats available and sessions scheduled. 
So we have other games on the back end that like just nobody's running. And that's why it doesn't show up on the list. Uh, but everything in this list, like someone is running it. Like Scion 2E, there's a lot of Onyx Path people that are running games, Renegade games. We're doing something right now with The Legend in the Mist. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, it's, it's related to City, City of Mist, right? It's just yeah, like a yeah. fantasy version. So it's a Kickstarter is, go, is live right now, and they partnered up with us to do a whole week of demo games. And, you know, like over a hundred GMs, like, yeah, I'll sign up for that. And, and then they're going to get like, you know, a reward if they end up running a game on the platform. But there's a hundred sessions of Legend of the Mist that are like now available that, you know, people from the Kickstarter are like, oh, cool. I can, I can play this game sooner rather than waiting for it to come out. And so we work with a lot of publishers. Like a lot of publishers see this as a great opportunity to expand their player base because there's, there's kind of two things you do when you're a game publisher, right? Like I need to sell my game. I need to make sure as many people are playing my game. Right. Because you don't want this shelf right here, right? You don't want this shelf to just be things that you never take out. You want them to be things people play. And making that easy is what helps it, you know, your next game or your your next Kickstarter. That's cool. You know, it's, it's, I mean, the whole site looks great. And it's. I think it's awesome that it brings so many people together. I'm curious what sort of hurdles you might have run into when you were launching this idea. Anything that might have been kind of a roadblock that maybe caused a thousand yard stare out in the distance. But, you know. Anything that, yeah. like that they've worked through. Let me tell you the thing that like clicked. And when we started, when we started start playing, I remember seeing the words and I'm paraphrasing myself. Yeah, we should absolutely start this project. We have like six weeks of this lockdown. So what else would I do? <laughs> How naive we were back nice. then. <laughs> the, the original version of the site like was also had like in-person features for finding like, you know, games. And, and we realized like, as the pandemic continued, like, okay, we're going to cut this. And probably in the next year or two, we'll, we'll roll out, you know, in-person features again. But when we first designed the site, it's so stupid. It's like one of those things, like, how could you not think of this? But it was, here's a GM and here's games that are running. Yeah, you can book this GM and this game would be for five players. Mm-hmm. And so the site worked in the sense that you already had a group and you were just looking for a GM. And I, w- I was just reading something online. I was like, why is this not working? And we just were seeing like almost no bookings. No one was booking a GM. Some people were having conversations, but nothing was really clicking because they just, the time didn't line up or they didn't have to players. And I was just reading someone's like letter on Reddit about the problem. And then it clicked. I was like, wait, this person doesn't have a group. And then I was like doing some more. I was like, this person has a group. And then the more I looked at it, the more I was like, oh my gosh. People need their group. Um, and we retooled the site to be like, hey, you get one seat in a game. Um, and because we thought like people who were just themselves wouldn't want to pay for a GM. We thought like the only people who want to pay for a GM are a group of friends already looking for a GM. And that was so wrong. And literally the week we made that change, we saw our bookings like begin to tick up. And nice. that, was, that was the one change that like if we hadn't made it, we wouldn't be here today. That's incredible. Uh, um, I have a kind of related question, but have have you met with any pushback from the the community at large? Because I feel like maybe a year or two ago, yeah. paid DMs was like a kind of a hot take, and now yeah. it seems to be kind of upfront and really uh, well accepted. Yeah, you know what I noticed is when anytime I see that, I always just look at the numbers, mm-hmm. and I look at how many people are coming that are new users to our site every week and i'm like wow and 
I remember when we were like, wow, like, well, we met like a game store and they had an online game portal, something, but it was specific to them. And like, we have, we have 50 games happening uh, a month. And I was like, oh no, hundred games a month. I was like, wow, it'd be cool if we got to that point. And then we looked up and we had a hundred games happening in a day. Um, and we realized that like people, uh, want to connect and they want people, people want to be bought in. They want that their, their time to be respected. And as we realized this, like we kept hearing those loud voices, but that's all it is. It's just, it's a loud kind of minority of people who don't like the idea of paid GMing and funny. So Renly Mulligan is a partner of start playing and we were talking, he's like, how wild is it that like, I get to do what I get to do. And like, how could I ever say that? Like, I don't believe in paid GMing when like, I am a, I, I am a professional GM. He's like, I met, and he even told stories when he was actually hired to run like games in New York before he moved out to LA. And, you know, he's like, any type of art form um, can be compensated. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think the big thing is, I think there's this like fear that some people have that, that their home game will be taken from them. And they're like the, the GM at the table is going to be like, well, you know what? You guys have to pay me now. And I feel that just talks to like a, a, a larger issue is like, why do you feel that? You know, like none of my friends think I'm going to charge them in our home <laughs> game that I've been running for, you know, eight years. Um, you just and, sit down like one day at your game with yeah. like a credit card swiper and you're like, all right, right. guys. <laughs> but you know, if you look yeah. at a, a lot of like chatter I hear about people's home games is like, if they go on a you know vacation, like, you know, we, we went to the cabins once and like, I didn't pay. I've heard that from other GMs too, that like, when dinner comes, like, you know, everyone pays except for the GM. Like there's like these little small things that we do for our friends who are the GM, the organizer, the host, because they put in all this effort and we want them to feel appreciated. And sometimes like a lot of the reasons why groups fall apart is because the GM's like, hey, work got busy this week. I can't run a game because I can't prioritize this because I need to prioritize like the thing that allows me to pay rent. And now that you have something like this, then the GM's like, hey, I can, I can dedicate my time to making sure that you get to have your game and have fun. And I think that has resonated with more people than the idea that like it's against the spirit of the game has resonated with others. Yeah, that's such a cool point. So I've used the site before and I found a game. Oh, <laughs> I really wanted to play in the Drakenheim world. The oh, dungeon yeah. dudes. Dungeon I dudes. Just, yeah. I was so obsessed with it and I wanted to run it, but then I was like, oh my God, I, I'm not ready for this. So I just want to play. So I went on, I found a game and it was just a one shot and it was amazing. But the chat at the beginning of the session when everyone was logging on and we were getting ready, I was talking with the DM and I was just asking her and she said, this is the only way I can really afford to do this right now because I'm so busy. And so like, I don't, she's like, I'm honestly, I'm not like, you know, I'm not going to buy a second house with this, but yeah. it compensates me for the time that I prep. And it allows me to say, I can at least break even with my hobby and not yeah. feel like I'm just dumping all my time down the drain. And I just remember that really stuck with me. And I was like, kind of proud of her. I was like, you are doing such a good job because you're such a great dungeon master. And you're, you found a way to monetize that thing that you love to do. And we all had a blast. Yeah. And here's like, it does suck that we like live in a world where we have to monetize, like, like the, we, we all have to pay rent. And if we mm-hmm. have to pay rent, but we have to, you know, eat, can we find joy from the things that we do that allow us to? And 
you know, and, and that's what, what I see a lot in this is like, I, when I meet new GMs, I say like, listen, on start playing, I want you to get exactly what you want out of this. If you want to be a full-time GM, I want that for you. If you want to be able to afford your dice addiction, I want that for you. <laughs> Whether it's like one game a week or 10 games a week, like I want what you want. Like I want their success and I'm, I'm so invested in that. Hmm. Well, That's really cool. I, I, I mean, I really appreciate it too. I just, I just think about, especially when I was a teenager, how hard it was to find games, especially since the internet was just kind of coming online, mm -hmm. uh, not to date myself too much, but it, it just, it was very difficult. And especially as a player, it was almost impossible if your group wasn't meeting. And so that's kind of where I kind of became a forever DM is like, well, I mean, I guess somebody has to be the oasis in the Sahara here at some point. <laughs> uh, so that way we can what? make people show up. And I, I always talk about this too. Like, you know, when did you start playing uh, D and D? What year? If you don't mind me asking, I would say it was around ninety three, ninety four, somewhere in there. Okay, I like people that are just getting game. Like, we have it so easy now. Back yeah. in the day, if you didn't have a hobby store in your town, mm -hmm. good luck because <laughs> then you'd have to know someone else that knows this game, mm -hmm. or you'd find in the back of a comic book and be like, "What is this?" And and that's one of the really hard things about this game is like. The onboarding requires someone who already knows how to play. It, 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 it's, it's not like a virus where like once you read it, you like, I know how to do this. It is one of those things where, like you, you learn. And now that we have the internet, you can meet other people. You don't have to worry about scheduled people in your town. Now that we have actual plays, now that we have all these resources, just YouTube walkthroughs, it's so much easier to start playing than ever. See that through the brand name in there. Was, That's pretty good. That's nice, pretty good. Nice little moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, actual plays, we're going to be launching our own Monster of the Week stream next week as a bit of self-promotion. You think you'd give it a watch for us and tell us what you think? Yeah. Absolutely. I, All uh, right. we, we, did, we did a six series part on, on Monster of the Week. I, it's one of my favorite systems. That's great. That's awesome. We're having a lot yeah. of fun with it. It's so much fun. I want to back up for just a second because, Devin, you just said something. Is there such a thing as a professional dm like i know brendan lee mulligan and people like that but yeah. is there such a thing as people who actually make their living sitting at their computer running games for people yeah there's a many many of the gms that start playing are are full-time gms and it's wild you know and the thing is like everyone kind of finds a balance of like how like what they want to do and like some people like are like they write adventures and they run games and some people are like, oh, you know what? Like I have a full-time day job and I just want to run a game, you know, once a week, twice a week, but it's becoming more possible now than ever for this to actually be something that people can do full-time. And when I hear people say like, I used to be a teacher, I make more money doing this. I'm like, that's awesome. And then I'd be like, yeah, I drove for Uber and I was a DoorDasher and I make more money doing this and I enjoy it more. And so hearing that stuff makes me really, really happy. And I hope we can do that for as many people as who want that type of career path. You just broke my brain and it literally never even occurred to me that that was possible unless you achieved sort of like Matt Mercer celebrity status. Yeah. Um, but like my heart just melted a little bit because I didn't actually know that that was a thing. <laughs> it, it, obviously, there's like levels of it, right? Like you have the Matt Mercers, you, you, you have Brandley Mulligans, Tad, right? But, you know, I what I'm seeing is like people that are like, Hey, I do this, but I also do this. And that is my full-time like work. And I see people like increasing their rates, you know, every year a little bit more and their audience kind of sticks around because they, they love those games. And it's easier now because you don't have to like, if your schedule changes and a GM runs five games a week, 
you're like, well, I can't play in your Tuesday game anymore, but I love your games and I'm going to join your Sunday one instead. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too, because you just said, you know, there's people who they have their full-time job and they just want to run games. I don't know yeah. those people. I know those people who <laughs> suffer their 40 hour a week job and they really just yeah. want to run games. <laughs> yeah. And one of them might even be on this call with us right now. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. So Devin, uh, is there anything that we should have asked you, but didn't or anything else you want to talk about today? Let's see. I think the hardest thing, what is the hardest thing facing tabletop role-playing games is a question I always love answering. And you think about like how people get into games, right? Like you guys have an actual play. Like I, you know, I, I do a bunch of those and you hear people say like, oh, I, I got in it through actual play. That's great. But the the thing is, the onboarding is the hardest part. Mm, the onboarding yeah. is the hardest. And, and I touched on this a little bit, but professional GMs are going to be one of the main reasons why this hobby will grow. Because there's so many people that were like, hey, my local game store didn't have a game that worked for me and I just kind of forgot. I never got into it. But now that there's a way for anyone who wants to play, you know, chip in some cash, book a seat with a GM, and now you have access to this hobby and you, you, you can play your first game and maybe that gives you enough confidence to then run it. Because we know that like people who play the game are where the, the DMs come out of, right? Like mm-hmm. once you play, you're like, I want to be the guy behind the screen. I want to be that person. And that's, that's how we get more people running games. That's how we get more people playing games is the, one of the most important parts of the table is the GM. You know, not the most important, but one of the most important is if we get more GMs playing the game, there will be more games or players and a healthier hobby. Agreed. And that was a pretty, pretty stellar elevator pitch there. You could, you could tell the things that like I've said multiple times, like I've had time to really crack them. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in absolute agreement with you. I think that there is a lot of gatekeeping in this hobby, whether it's just the physical barrier of not having enough games in your space or a lot of the other, you know, people who've been here for a while, not necessarily wanting to bring other people into the space. So it's nice that you provide people that opportunity to be able to get a good solid game that gets them the, the right the right place for moving forward as a player and hopefully building yeah. a lifetime of a hobby. Yeah. And Aaron, I'm glad you said that about gatekeeping because I was thinking of that earlier when we were talking about people barking loudly about paid GMs. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that I have noticed as a trend where it's like that that old thing where because it was hard for me, it has to be hard for you. And like, I don't want you young people to have it easy because it was hard (laughs) in my day. And it's like, really, do you want everyone's existence to be as hard as yours? Or don't you think the the next generation could have it easier and just play more games? Listen, I had a cousin die from a bacteria infection. We shouldn't have penicillin. because That's exactly it. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) That's the point of progress. (laughs) (laughs) Do we want, do we not want good things for people or? (laughs) Right. So it's, it's actually funny. There, there's a similar thing to um, actual plays, right? Where there's like sometimes like not gatekeeping, but like when we when I started our studio, it was all in person and I couldn't find how to set up an in-person. There was just no instructions out there. And I was like, I hit up a couple people that also were in person. They're like, oh, yeah, it's actually really and like would never get anything back. And it's like, what is going on? Like, how is this so hard? And the moment I, the moment I figured it out, I was like, I made a video. I was like, this is how you build it. This is how it works. This is, this is so much easier. And when I meet someone who's like, I watch your video, I learned so much. And I was like, that's what I want. That's what I want. More people, because there's more people in it, more people enjoying it. It grows the hobby. It makes everyone happy. That's awesome. Devin, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We've had a blast chatting with you. Yeah. Aaron, Brian, thank you so much. This is a, a treasure. 
I love your energy from the moment you popped onto this call. You're just like, <laughs> hey, what's up? <laughs> so fun. So fun. And thank you, dear friends, for spending time with us this week. One week from today, Monday, March 4th, we are live with our live stream of Monster of the Week. It's on Twitch. Please join us. Thanks, everyone.